Hello and welcome to Inspect Tech, the Olympus NDT podcast. My name is Emily Peloquin and I want to thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is all about NDT and about the incredible people that work in our industry. I've been in this industry for just over a decade now, and I'm still amazed by the incredible people that I get to work with and how tightly connected this community is. On this show, I have the chance to welcome experts from the field to chat about everything and anything, from challenging applications to new trends and even tips and tricks on how to improve your NDT game. I hope you'll enjoy the unique insight that our guests are sharing with us and that it will inspire others to also want to help in making this world a safer place. For today's recording, I got to see the sun setting while my guests saw the sun rising. I got to chat with our very own Dr. Christopher Lane from our Olympus Singapore office. Christopher is the Olympus Sales Manager for NDT Systems and Integration for the Asia-Pacific region. As we discuss in this episode, not many people are familiar with the side of our NDT business. And so Christopher kindly shared a few of his most fascinating applications with us to shed some light on what he does. He also told me about this very special Olympus OmniScan demo he once offered to someone rather special. I'll let you find out in just a few minutes. So without further ado, here's Dr. Christopher Lane. Christopher Lane, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much for inviting me. So as you know, I always like to start with your NDT story or how somebody got into this uh, very niche industry of ours. So, so what is yours? How did you stumble across NDT? Sure. I, th I think before we get into that, I've literally just realized that it's uh, April Fool's Day in Singapore this morning uh, for my timing. Right. So, so perhaps uh, I hope there wasn't any uh, any particular reason we chose this day for me. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's let's see by the end of the uh, the podcast how we. Uh... Well, if it's any consolation, it's most likely going to be um, uh, on the air much. At a much later time, <laughs> so it shouldn't matter at that point. We can we can let uh, we can let listeners decide if there's a fool or not in, uh, involved. That's in right. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So I think my you know my story is is very similar to many other people about uh, how they got into NDT in, in the sense that I kind of fell into NDT by accident and have have right. stayed ever since. Um, so I, I was just coming to the end of my uh, university degree, wondering what to do. Um, and I applied for this scheme um, that was between the UK government and Japan, where the idea is you go to Japan for two years, the first six months you'd learn Japanese, and then you'd go and work mm. with a, a Japanese engineering company. Wow. Um, but last minute it fell through. So okay. I was just coming to the end of my degree and I had nothing lined up ahead of me. Um, so I went to speak to one of my professors, um, Professor Paul Wilcox, who was one of the pioneers in TFM, FMC technology. A very um, well-known name, yes. As well as uh, guided wave technology. So yeah, they should be very well-known. Um, and I went to speak to him because I'd done a, a research project in the summer holidays when I got back from my um, year study abroad from the University of Sydney. Um, and we did a research project with the ultrasonics group at the University of Bristol, um, which he was he was working in, where we were looking at manipulating particles using ultrasound. So the, the idea here is that it has applications to biomedical um, and also kind of very fine manufacturing processes. And I really enjoyed the 
the physics of ultrasound and the, the kind of hands-on practicalness of it. Um, so when I went to speak to um, Paul, he said, well, there's this scheme called an engineering doctorate, which at that point I, I hadn't really heard of. Um, but it's essentially an industrial-based PhD. So you spend okay. um, time at a, um, an industrial company whilst you, you study for your, your PhD or your, your engineering doctorate um, in the field of non-destructive testing. Um, so wow. this sounded very attractive, a really nice mix of the practical aspects because you're based in the company and also, um, you know, doing some, some fundamental research. So I went down to Imperial College because that's where the, the scheme was um, being administered through. Um, and I met Professor um, Chris Scrooby, who's like a pioneer in laser ultrasound. And um, we had a chat and, he, you know, he got me really excited. Um, I, I think it was only about a two-hour chat, but in my mind, it seemed to last about eight eight hours. We we, you know, we talked so many <laughs> subjects. Um, but by the end of it, I kind of convinced, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. As I said, that real nice mix with NDT that you have of the practical applications, but really you need to understand the science behind it. Um, and also just the, the breadth that you have with NDT from the, um, the types of components you inspect from, you know, mm -hmm woods that we've been using for 3000 years up to you know the, the brand new aerospace materials and all the physics that we use to um, for NDT you know from x-rays to ultrasound to eddy current and thermography so it, it got me really excited so I, I signed up for um, for the engineering doctorate scheme um, and I was sponsored by, by Rolls-Royce in Bristol um, and I was okay. also supervised by Bristol University um, and so yeah that, that's how I got into it so I, I started um, with my engineering doctorate and what I was doing was looking at how to inspect uh, jet engine components, but jet without engines. taking them out of the, um, out of the engine. So um, one, one of the key challenges there, it's a bit like minimal invasive surgery, is that you mm -hmm. want to try and do as much inspection in the engine as possible because it's you know terrifically expensive to take an engine off the wing of an airplane, um, dismantle right. it, take a component out, and inspect it. Um, right, right. And you know, I mean, obviously, in a, in a jet engine, there's a lot of components that have quite a rough life. So I was particularly looking at um, turbine blades, so single crystal turbine blades. So okay. these are the part of the engine that actually provides the power, um, and these are small single crystal components that are they're surrounded by gas temperatures that are 300 degrees above the melting temperature of the material. So they have oh, wow. elaborate cooling systems uh, to keep them from melting, because otherwise they would just, um, if they didn't have the cooling, they'd instantly melt. Um, and each one of these turbine blades, you know, there's only about 100 millimeters high, but each, each one extracts the same power as a Formula One car engine you know so <laughs> so you know the, these are these are incredible feats of engineering these tiny yeah. um, turbine blades um so obviously you can you can understand that um there's going to be some inspection requirements because of the the harsh conditions that they they exist in so right. my doctor was really looking at how to inspect these components on wing so without removing them um from the engine which gives you the cost saving. It allows the aircraft um, operators uh, simpler operating procedures because they don't have to swap engines over. Um, but the, the key challenge with, with turbine blade inspection is that, as I said, they're made from a single crystal. So they're cast mm -hmm. from a single crystal. So they have these you know, very good creep resistance and mechanical properties. 
but the the ultrasonic mm-hmm. challenge if you want to do an right. ultrasonic inspection for looking for um, defects is that they're they're highly anisotropic so mm-hmm. every uh, the velocity of the ultrasound is completely different depending in which um, which the way direction. you try and send a beam so very right. challenging materials to to inspect ultrasonically um, so what I what I was ultimately looking at is how to use um, TFM FMC so the total focusing method to correct for um, the anisotropic behavior of single crystal turbine blades and ultimately perform the, the most reliable and most sensitive inspection. Um, so yeah, so we at the end we we created a, a small 2D ultrasonic array probe. Uh, we could deploy it within an engine, we could correct for the anisotropic nature and we could get this uh, 3D image of the, the internal structure of a turbine blade um, to potentially uh, check for, for any defects that might have occurred in service. So that was my, uh, yeah, really my first foray into to NDT is uh, through, through my doctorate. Very nice. It's uh, fascinating. And yes, it seems like very challenging inspection. Was there any other methods that uh, you've been using while you were at uh, Rolls-Royce? Yeah, so um, as part of it, we, we had just installed um, one of the most advanced um, X-ray CT machines uh, mm-hmm. in the world. And... Um, that was used also to inspect for composite materials, turbines, to make sure they, they've been cast correctly. Um, but what we, we also you know, could use it for is to um, check how, for example, the ultrasonic probe was being positioned relative to the turbine blade. So it allowed the XACT, not only we use it as an NDT method, it helped create our... Um, and, um, optimize our ultrasonic method by we can see where the the crystal of the ultrasonic probe was aligned with the components. So um, you know that was quite a, a interesting use of X-ray TT. Um, and during my um, during my time there, I, I also started supervising another engineering doctorate student, um, and he was looking at how to use eddy current arrays um, mm. to inspect components. So you know obviously the advantage of an eddy current array is it's far faster than using a single coil or using uh, penetrance inspection. Um, so yes, we, we, we looked at how to um, utilize um, eddy current arrays for aerospace components. And, and one of the key tricky parts there is we're looking for very small defects. So sub-millimeter right. defects, yeah. which may well be smaller than the the coil within the eddy current probe. For half of the, um, yeah, so yeah. H- how do you compensate for the the change in the sensitivity across the eddy current array. Um, how do you calibrate it, um, and you know, ultimately how do you achieve the sensitivity of sub-millimeter length defects, um, reliability with reliability, and you know also the the benefits of eddy current arrays with with, um, with speed. Um, so yeah, I mean at my time at Rolls Royce doing my doctorate, you know one of one of the real advantages of the, the engineering doctorate is because you're based in the company, you get to see um, yeah. all of the NDT methods. And, you know, I, I had a very, um, very knowledgeable team surrounding me at, at Rolls-Royce. And we had experts on everything from digital X-ray to film X-ray to uh, penetrant, mag particle. Um, we created our own eddy current probes. We created our own ultrasonic probes. So, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was great to be exposed to these um, really talented and knowledgeable engineers that had such a, a wealth of experience and um, you yeah. know, they, they could impart it to me. So uh, it, was, it was a very 
nice start to uh, the career into um, into NDT. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to do TFM before TFM was even cool. <laughs> yes, that's right. well. I mean, it's it's funny because you know my my first ultrasonic image was a TFM image. I I kind of that's that's what I thought ultrasound was, and you know, kind right. of, then I had to take a step back and said, oh, actually no, the, the industry is, is is doing it like this, and actually in in many parts of industry they're still doing a, an A you know an A scan you know and using a single right. element. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but um yeah, you know each, each has its advantages <laughs> and yeah <laughs> so yeah i did have to kind of a little bit take a step back so okay okay there's a there's other ways of doing things as well which you know have their advantages on speed and uh you know cost effectiveness as well very nice and so right after uh rolls royce you went and uh, did you join us right after that so after um i finished my doctorate um then i i worked at rolls royce for for a number of years um, I worked in the um, the in-service NDT team, and this was again similar to my doctorate. is all about trying to develop um, in-service NDT inspections to avoid having to take the um, the engine off the wing. So again, mm -hmm. we were deploying ultrasound, eddy current uh, methods on wing inside the engine um, to to support the the reliability of the engines. Um, so. Um, yeah, I, I eventually was was leading the team in Rolls Royce Derby, uh, developing these these inspection methods. So it's a very exciting environment to work in because it's a lot of the time we have to react very quickly. If there's uh, a particular safety concern, we need to implement a a solution to you know make sure that they, those engines are, are safe to fly. So it was very dynamic. It was a very exciting um, area to work in. And it was also very nice. We, we had lots of new apprentices come in. So we had a nice mixture of people that had been Rolls-Royce lifers with all their experience and um, some apprentices first out of um, school um, that we, we could mentor. And, you know, some of these apprentices in the, in the early days are now level threes around the world, um, you know, running their own NDT laboratories. Um, so, yeah, so, so I, I was with Rolls-Royce for um, a number of years, but... Um, one one of my jobs, as well as um, developing these in-service technologies for specific application, um, we we worked with suppliers and research institutes and universities mm -hmm. to what we called the on-wing toolkit. So, if there was a, a problem, we wanted a technology on the shelf um, ready to be deployed. So mm -hmm. we had a program of technology acquisition where we tried to anticipate future inspection needs and set up um, set up the technology and the equipment to be on the shelf so it was ready to go so we could deploy it as quickly as possible when required. Um, and so as I said, this, this really involved working with a lot of research institutes, um, universities, as, as well as equipment suppliers um, mm -hmm. to develop this technology. And, you know, a lot of the, the projects that we were running were very interesting. So um, I was beginning to think, actually, some, some of these things I would quite like to do do myself. Um, and then a one of the institutes we were working with was based in Singapore, um, and essentially a job opportunity came up to um, essentially set up the the NDT lab um, in this research institute in Singapore, which mm, I thought was a you know okay. great opportunity. So it's it to do the types of project that I'd been contracting, um, but also the the opportunity to as I said kind of um, create a you know a world leading 
NDT laboratory from scratch, which I thought, oh, you know, this this sounds a fantastic opportunity. Wow. Yeah. So so after Rolls Royce, I, I moved to Singapore um, to, to work at a research institute to to set up a uh, a new laboratory. Uh, so yes, so I was about to say most people don't know. Uh, from from your accent that you are from our <laughs> Olympus Singapore office but so that's what brought you there but uh, how did you get to uh, to start with uh, with Olympus more specifically uh, did uh, who did you meet there sure so i um i'd always had a, a relationship with with olympus i'd been using olympus equipment from from day one um so kind of perhaps perhaps a side story during my engineering doctorate i i got a, a fellowship from the Uh, Royal Commission for the Exhibition of 1851. It's a bit of a, a mouthful, but ultimately they are. Um, <laughs> it's a funding body that came out of an exhibition in the Victorian era that still today has funding um, research, science um, and the arts. Um, and, and these guys essentially own most of South Kensington in, in London. They own where the Imperial, um, Imperial College is based. They own where the Royal Albert Hall is. Um, so this commission gives money to um, researchers. And so I, I was lucky enough to, to win one of these these fellowships. Um, okay. And part of part of the fellowship, I, I actually got to um, present to Princess Anne, uh, the Princess Royal. Is and that right? I showed her uh, an Omniscan. So to explain what <laughs> to explain what ultrasonic arrays was, I showed her an Omniscan. So she I'm, got I'm not to sure. see an Omniscan. That, How that's did you right. like it? <laughs> ah, she, was, she was very impressed and uh, I, I mean I, I was thoroughly impressed with she asked some very insightful questions about ultrasounds and also about wow. casting materials I, I was very impressed so do you uh, remember but, what she asked not not exactly but I remember almost being dumbstruck by the quality of the question <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> but so I'm, I'm not sure how many other um how many other uh, people worked uh, have, have presented to royalty but uh you know anyway that, that's I, I would that's bet one not of my that many and that's, to <laughs> that is pretty um, and and you know the equipment worked well so uh, yeah she was very impressed um and and then as i said i i, I kept having a, a relationship with olympus so as i said this part of this on wing toolbox at rolls royce was to anticipate future needs and we worked with equipment suppliers such as olympus and um i think it was 2013 Uh, we deployed a method um, for a campaign, and that year I think I purchased 44 Omniscans, which again I, th I think must be some sort of record somewhere. So probably. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, I was a you know I was a, I was a user of Omniscan from pretty much from day one, um, and then yeah. So, so the relationship with with um, with Olympus is I um, I attended a conference and I on composite inspection methods. And okay. I was presenting what we were doing at the research institute um, in terms of composite inspection. And the, the person that uh, followed me was uh, Francois Com. Um, yes. He's the business unit manager from uh, Olympus Singapore. Um, mm -hmm. He used to be in Quebec um, running That's some right. of the Omniscan programs. Obviously, you know him very well. He probably um, and, and we got, we got chatting, building, you know. And, yeah, probably and, and, and helped we... building the Omniscan that you purchased. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> He was the project yeah. manager, probably. That's right. So, so you know, our, our, our kind of paths had probably uh, not not directly crossed, but uh, you know, kind of indirectly crossed. Uh, yeah, when, when I was using all the equipment. So, you know, we we, we, we got chatting, and he explained what he did, and um, I, I I got to the point where I was 
I was very happy with you know what we'd set up at the research institute. We'd you know we developed it from a, a very small team with a few floor detectors, up to you know as I said again it's a it's a world class facility with X-ray CT, thermography, mm -hmm. uh, phased array including TFM and FMC, um, and and I was very keen to then go and work with an equipment supplier because. You know, if, if we look at technology development, which I've been, you know, part of all my career, how, how to get new technology adopted by industry, then mm -hmm. we often talk about the valleys of death. So a valley of death, one of the valley of death is if a technology is developed at a research institute or university, mm -hmm. how to then validate that it, it first works. And um, research institutes are a great way of doing this because they can de-risk it. Um, so there's, there is a valley of death there. and you know, there's a classic story about Toft, you know, the, the number yeah. of decades it took from Toft to be developed um, mm -hmm. in Harwell to, into being used in industry, you know, was was up to 20 years. So, wow. you know, some of the technology acquisition is is how to accelerate that. So that there's there's a value of death in um, in the early technology readiness levels between universities and then just proving the principle in um, in a realistic environment. But there's also another valley of death which also gets overlooked, which is how to set up the supply chain to ensure once you have a new technology or a new inspection method, that all the pieces of the puzzle, the um, the suppliers, the um, servicing companies, are also mm -hmm. there. So, right. so I was always That's very keen to work with a an equipment supplier, and obviously, you know, Olympus being pretty much one of the, the world leaders, and I had this chance. Um, chance bump into uh, Francois Corm um, and kind of things things came together nicely so um, about three three years ago I, I joined um, Olympus as sales manager for NDT system and integration that's amazing and we're really glad to have you so thanks for sharing your story and so uh, on a more personal note I mean Singapore must be pretty different than <laughs> than UK life so how's life as a as an expat over there yeah, I mean, we, we thoroughly enjoy it. So um, I've, we've recently had, well, our daughter who we had in Singapore turned one last week. Uh, oh, wow. My wife obviously lives with me out here and, and us as a family, we, we thoroughly enjoy Singapore. Um, I think some people that might travel through Singapore on, you know, as hopping off when we were allowed to travel to other places yeah. might have a certain kind of image of Singapore in their, in their mind, a very... Um, you know, very dense vision. city, um, advanced, um, right. you know, very clean. But it has another From side. From the inside, to it, which... is that true? <laughs> no, I mean, it has a completely different side of it. So very really? easily you can get out of the city and you can get into the wildlife. You can get into oh, dense wow. jungle. And um, our favorite place in Singapore is, is on the, the um, north uh, west side, a place called uh, Sunni Bullock. And this is a wetlands where every time you go there you can see wild crocodiles snakes uh, monkeys oh. you know so you can you can have that real nice contrast of you spend your your weekend in the morning you go Urban for a nice walk and, and you see right. beautiful wildlife and then in the evening you can move into town and you've got great restaurants and bars and the culture and you've got all the all the lovely sporting events so when when the f1 was still still on the, the mm -hmm. formula one and uh, there's lots of rugby sevens that are, you know, very enjoyable. So it has a really charming mix of the kind of the outdoor life and um, and also, you know, the kind of the urban living as well, which which we really enjoy. Wow, that's fascinating. And anything that you miss from home? 
it's you know in these days with uh, you know kind of e-commerce and shipping that um you can pretty much get anything um that's it's, true it's, at least <laughs> you know at, at, at a price you can pretty much get anything Right. But there is there is literally one thing that I've not n never been able even to import, and and it's pretty it's pretty um, it's pretty niche. There's a there's a drink my family has at a, a Christmas time called a whiskey mac, and this okay. is a mixture of whiskey with something called green ginger wine. Um, Okay, and green ginger I've never wine heard is of it's that. you, you mix it together, and it's a really spicy, warm, Christmassy drink. It, you know, I smell it, and I feel you know I'm. in a winter wonderland Wow. and you know i can hear sleigh bells in the background um but so green ginger wine is, is pretty much the only thing i've not been able to get in the, <laughs> in my entire time in, in singapore so And during but the holidays but, but mostly and so. most things most things we can get including um yeah all the, all the british staples so um you know the, the british beers and pork pies are all readily available so i can always have one of those if i'm missing home Yeah, that's that's an amazing era that we live in for sure. Yeah, it makes uh, the world a bit smaller. That does It help. does, it does, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, you know, the, the fact that you can, well, before the, the lockdowns and before the pandemic, you know, really within 24 hours, I could I could be in back in the UK at a, at a drop of the hat. It's, uh, That's true, it does make it smaller and, um, you know, it's kind of contrast when, when my, my mother was young, she, she emigrated for a few years to Australia and she tells yeah. me the Oh, stories yeah. of when she was on the boats for weeks at end traveling between Oh, my. the UK and Australia. And, you know, we, we don't really have that sense of, distance or time No, anymore do we that's which is right. uh but then again we can have you know we can have pork pies and uh, british beer whenever we want so Yeah, on top of it. No, that's true. Now, uh, you know, a long trip uh, to Australia. We, we complain on a 20-hour uh, trip, but uh, but we can do it in 20 hours. That's amazing, quite <laughs> you yeah know. i know it, it, it is incredible it is incredible It's uh, very close to uh, transportation, no, to um, teleportation at this point, yes you know, yeah <laughs> like it's as close as we get. Um, all right. So going back, I guess, to um, to your projects. And so since you've been uh, with with Olympus, what, what's your big projects you've been working on? Anything that you, you know, uh, mentioned worthy that uh, that you can share? Because I know that sometimes we can't always share uh, our projects, but uh, anything you can share with uh, with our audience? Sure. So my job role is sales manager for system integration. Um, and this is perhaps a side of, of Olympus that not everyone um, is aware of, about, Mm -hmm. That's you know, very people true. are, are Yeah. very aware of our, the OmniScans or our Vanta XRF um, for uh, chemical analysis, our Mm boroscopes, hmm etc. Um, but what we also do is, is sell fully automated turnkey inspection systems. So mm -hmm. we have solutions that in inspect uh, bars at very high speed up to two meters a second so um, you know these are used to inspect the raw material that we use in aerospace or automotive um, components we also have solutions to inspect um, pipe um, for pipe transportation and using in the oil and gas industry so very large you know kind of high-end um, very technical machines so that that's the, the system side which is you know really exciting business to work in Um, and we also have the integration. So as well as Olympus directly supplying turnkey solutions from the, our factory in Quebec, um, we also work with a, a, a network of integrators. So in, in Asia Pacific, we have a number of integrators who have specific capabilities in, in certain areas. Um, and uh, we work with our partners, you know, it, it is a real collaboration. 
where we provide you know our expertise and our equipment and then they would integrate it together and they'll deliver that solution for for an end user um so a type of example we're, we're currently working with a um a company who's based in singapore who has a background in subsea pipe repair okay. um so they've um the guys that own the company and run the company their background is in uh, you know pipe inspection the you know originally diving and now trying to automate these these processes so um, they have a, a solution that can go and repair pipes undersea very efficiently very quickly without the use of deploying operators into what would be a quite a dangerous situation and a dangerous right, environment yeah. Um, so obviously to repair something, you need to know where the damage is. So mm -hmm. what we're doing is we're, we're working with this company to marinize our equipment um, so we can put it under subsea. So we're taking For high pressure. Exactly. So, so you've got yeah. high pressure is one one of the big um, issues um, specifically for the probes. You know, if you've got a right. uh, 64 element array probe because you want to do corrosion mapping to find out where there's wall loss on your pipe, you know, the, these the crystals and the, um, the facings on the the probes are are small, you know, and potentially fragile. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right. w w you need to work to develop um, ways to stop water ingressing into the probes at such high high pressures. So th these are very right. interesting projects. Um, one one of the other ones, yeah, you also need to obviously marinize the um, the electronics and then get the signal mm -hmm. up to the the operator. So you know you're running ethernet cables up to 50 meters to the surface to get the, the ultrasonic data um, back to the operator. Um, so again, you need to marinize the, um, the electronics. So we, we're looking to marinize our, the Olympus Focus PX um, ultrasonic array oh, controller. Yeah. Um, and so marinizing, again, that's one challenge. And, and another one that you don't think so much when you're on surface is, is heat dissipation. You know, how, how do you manage oh, yeah. to make sure that once you're under the surface that the, the, uh, the equipment's not going to uh, overheat? So you know this is where we we work with these experts um this integrator has all the experience in how to do marinization how to do heat um, dissipation under sea so you know as i said it's a, it's a real collaboration we're bringing our our know-how on corrosion um, inspection and mapping and they bring their their know-how on how to deploy these equipment under the surface with all of the technical challenges that's involved um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's a nice collaboration. Yeah, yeah. A very nice collaboration. We and we have um, uh, we have lots of uh, lots of similar kind of experiences with with other um, integrators where they have particular um, requirements. And I think it's back to what I I said earlier. You know, that one of the the best things I like about NDT is the the variety of what we see. You know, and as mm, I said, we, yeah. we inspect from all types of materials from raw material if it's dug out of the ground to you know components that have been there for um, hundreds of years so I mean my my professors at Bristol University they they inspected a a bridge that was designed by Isambard Kingdom Brunel um, using TFM you know so a bridge that wow. uh, is a has been there for hundreds of years you know so yeah. that's one of the that's one of the joys I really think about working in NDT um, so for example an, another project that we work on um, we're working Again, we can't go into too much details, but it's a, a logistics <laughs> company that um, warehouses sensitive equipment. Um, and they want to make sure that the there's no chance for a human error. There's no chance for 
um, either malign or you know accidental human error when they're storing um, this equipment. So okay. what, what we've done with their integration team is um, we've provided um, a robotic XRF, so X-ray fluorescence, which measures the chemical, mm-hmm. um, the, the chemical of components. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we've supplied that to them. So when something is being stored, the, when the, the operator goes to um, hand back their equipment, we can completely scan it and say, yep, all of the, the equipment here is exactly what it's meant to be. It's the right weight, it's the right size, it's the right material. So we've got very high confidence that this is the, um, the, the correct item, and, item um, and everything's accounted for. Um, so, you know, you go from... That's a bit broad. That's a bit broad. I mean, it gets me curious, but I know I can't ask too much questions. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, again, it, it's, you, go from, you go from subsea and you go all the way to right. kind of, um, you know, working with kind of logistic company for, um, on the surface. So, yeah, it's a really exciting and, and broad experience that we, we get involved with. That's very neat. So, yeah, the, so that was a broad one. Do you have any uh, other ones? That you, another example of... Uh, uh, something you might have worked on um, more that you can give more detail or a bit more specific. I'm just so, so another one that's uh, really interesting at the moment, um, and again, what I like about this one in particular is combining lots of different methods together. <clears throat> okay. Excuse me. So we um, gold prices the way they are, um, silver prices similar. Um, Oh, I like where this is going. <laughs> you like where this is going. <laughs> you know, we, we've, we're working with um, a, a number of um, security and logistic houses that store precious material. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> obviously with the, the price, then there's been well-known and well-documented cases of, of forgery. Um, so you've either you're putting inclusions into the, into the gold bar and then you're coating it with gold. So... Um, you put something like a tungsten inclusion because traditionally you could x-ray a gold bar um, and tungsten and gold have a similar density. Um, and then obviously the, the amount of wealth in that bar is, is much lower because tungsten is a, is a cheaper metal than gold. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way around that is to do an ultrasonic inspection because it has a different um, acoustic impedance. So you can check oh, gold yeah. bars for um, any inclusions. So. You know, th- this is this is something that is, is done widely, that you inspect um, precious gold or um, silver for any potential inclusions. You use, again, as I mentioned before, XRF to measure uh, yeah. the gold content. You can also use eddy current to con- detect the conductivity. So for right. smaller coins, conductivity is a good way of, of checking there's no um, inclusions in the material. Um, so, so... You know, this is quite. These are quite widely done inspections in in the in the gold and precious uh, metal market. Mm-hmm. So, what one of the things that again, this it's it, there's issues with accountability um, and traceability. Mm-hmm. So, one of the potential um, ways that the market could go is by using blockchain technology to document when an inspection of a specific gold bar or silver bar has been done. So that allows someone who doesn't have direct access to that component or direct access to that bar to check its inspection history. And they can say, okay, yes, I I can see that an ultrasonic inspection has been done and there's there's no inclusions. I can see that an XRF inspection has been done and it's of the, the 
claimed uh, purity. You know, it's it's right. correct. And then that would allow me to essentially sell it to someone else who hasn't actually physically gone to see the gold bar. So it becomes right. a much more fungible asset um, rather than something that you've, you've got to just keep in a in a cell and you, and you can only um, exchange it if both parties do an inspection and confirm it's the right one. So um, what we're looking at the moment is to automate the whole process. So we do an automated, automated XRF to check the chemistry, the gold content. We do um, automated ultrasound, um, either single element or phase array to check to see if there's any inclusions, as well as complementing it with some machine vision, weighing it, um, and doing this in a completely traceable and automated way. Um, so everybody that's, that's part of the transaction has complete faith in the in the veracity of, of the results. Um, right. So yeah, that, that's a. I particularly like that one, as I said, because it's combining a lot of different NDT methods together yeah. in, in one solution. And you're right. I mean, such a different, you know, it's it's so different than weld inspection. That's that's absolutely amazing. All the things that we can get to to see and and, and inspect with with NDT. That's uh, there's a, I don't know much of an other industries like this one. <laughs> I, I think it's incredibly humbling. Um, the mm. NDT industry in in the fact that you start to think you've got a handle on it and you start to think that you're, you're beginning <laughs> to become a bit of an expert in, right. in say phase array ultrasonics or something and then you go and meet a, a person who has a completely different application yeah. um and and you realize you know how how little we we do know individually but as a community you know how many experts there are um, across all the methods, across all the manufacturing techniques, across all the um, types of assets from jet yeah. engines to bridges um, to World Heritage, you know, uh, bridges in, in Bristol, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I, what I really enjoy about it is, is that community of, of expertise that you have only by, can, um, you know, sharing, sharing the knowledge, which, uh, yeah, it makes it a very exciting, enjoyable industry to work in. I couldn't agree more. Yes, that's that's well said. I totally agree. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for everything that you shared. I feel like I uh, got to know you a little bit better. I uh, got to, um, to, to know uh, Singapore a bit better. I got to know what we're doing over there a bit better. Uh, so that's uh, definitely appreciated. And uh, so thank you for, for being on the show today. And thank you for what you shared and for the great work that you're doing over there. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we can meet again in person when uh, when travels are um, allowed again. Yes, hopefully, hopefully soon. <laughs> very soon, fingers crossed. All right, thank you, Christopher. Thank you so much. That is all for today's show. I hope you found this episode interesting and that it motivated some of you to either jump in the NDT field or continue your path while seeing the vast variety of opportunities of NDT. As always, if there's a topic you would like to learn more about or a special guest you would like to see on the show, send us an email at podcast at olympus.com. You can also let us know if you enjoyed the show by leaving a review on whatever app you're listening on. In the meantime, stay safe, stay connected, and thanks again for contributing in making the world a safer place. Talk to you soon.